I'm Brent Grinna, and welcome to The Raise Podcast. We're talking to innovative advancement leaders who aren't satisfied with the status quo. Fundraising is in flux. Revenue's up, but donor counts are dropping. Phonathons are struggling, and mass marketing isn't moving the needle. And our largest donors are increasingly feeling tapped out and challenging us to identify the next generation of supporters. But advancement isn't going extinct. It's being reinvented. That's why we're introducing the Raise podcast hosted by me, Brent Grenna, CEO of Evertrue. Join us as we push the boundaries to ensure future generations can benefit from access to education. Today, I chat with Nico Karagosian, CEO of the Ohio University Foundation. Ohio U is one of the oldest public institutions in the U.S., and it now has one of the youngest foundation CEOs in the education sector. Nico took a big leap of faith when he applied to the job at Ohio U, and it paid off. He was hired to bring the institution out of the 80s, and he'll share exactly how he's working to do that. His story of passion and purpose should inspire everyone striving to grow in their career and make a greater impact at their institutions. Here we go. Greetings, Ray's community. I'm coming in live from Evertrue headquarters in Boston with my guest today, Nico Karagosian, the CEO and president of the Ohio University Foundation in lovely Athens, Ohio. Nico, welcome to the Ray's podcast. Brent, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you having me. So I was just going back through some of our past uh, interactions, and I realized that we first got together for dinner in Chicago with your former colleague, Carrie White, uh, almost exactly two years ago to, uh, to this week. And uh, at that time, you were leading the bicentennial effort at the University of Cincinnati. And I, uh, uh, you know, here we are two years later, getting ready to present at the Case District 5 conference in Chicago one month from now. So uh, a lot has happened in the last couple of years, but it's really been getting to know you uh, during an exciting time on your professional journey. Yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing to think back that that was only two years ago and how much has, how much has changed since then. Um, personally, professionally, even in, in our relationship, our relationship with with you guys at Evertrue obviously has has taken off since since that meeting. That that's amazing to think that was yeah, only two think? years ago because it, it feels about ten years ago. Based it really on does. I, I had to double check when I looked at the emails because I would I would guess yeah. it was longer. But um, but a lot has happened, and, and we'll get into kind of where we are now. But I wanted to start with just a little bit on who you are. Uh, you know, where you grew up and when you realized that the advancement path might be an interesting uh, uh, career path. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was born in Brazil. I was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, my mom was from there. My dad was from outside Boston, but traveled a lot there on business and met my mom there. And and uh, I, I was born there, lived there for uh, about three years and then lived in Mexico City for a couple of years but then grew up outside New York City in uh, Pleasantville, New York, uh, Westchester County. My dad worked in Manhattan, and um, you know spent all of my my childhood and, and high school days there. Uh, then went up to Western New York, uh, Hobart, and William Smith Colleges, and did my undergrad up there. Uh, met my uh, future wife up there uh, my freshman year. Did uh, graduate work at one of the SUNY institutions. It's now. SUNY Polytechnic at the time it was SUNY Institute of Technology 
got my MBA there, and and really started in the in the healthcare um, public relations field. I actually did an internship when I graduated in sports information, uh, which is looking back probably still my my uh, favorite job uh being a sports information intern i really enjoyed that, that okay you uh, gotta tell me work. just <laughs> i have not interviewed too many sports information interns so yeah. what is the memory that stands out as being the best part of being a sports information intern i just loved so you know athletics has been an important part of my life growing up and i um, played all through high school and played D3 college football and and i was just fascinated with statistics and and um you know the 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 press releases and and the media guides and everything that we did back in the mid 90s it's obviously a lot's changed since then but but fell in love with sports information and was able to after i graduated do an internship at my alma mater where i um you know did the game day programs and and faxed the press releases um to the local media outlets and compiled the stats and nominated student athletes for all league all state all american type awards and just really loved the interaction uh, loved being around sports um 24/7 sports information is a tough a tough job and um you know those those guys and gals who do it are on 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 the clock all the time traveling all over the country um but i just i i just really i, I think i'd always been fascinated with statistics even when i was when i was younger um, and it's something to just carry forward. And uh, so I did that for um, about a year and then actually started as a sports information director at Hamilton College and did that for a year and really um, enjoyed that as well. It was just, um, you know, a taxing schedule and, and um, you know, wanted to um, kind of look at, at other opportunities um, after that. So from there, I got into the PR fundraising marketing world in healthcare, and I worked at um, some small community hospitals doing that. And that was kind of my first foray into advancement. I did uh, annual appeals and special events. And, and um, you know, I think that was something that kind of introduced me to the to the fundraising world. And then really kind of a great story that, that um, ties back into Ohio University, which um, you know, I, I still look at it and can't believe is that my I worked at a hospital in Clifton Springs, New York, for about seven or eight years and had had a variety of roles, marketing, PR. I oversaw the hospital foundation, did the fundraising, um, you know, kind of an all encompassing type position. And my CEO at that hospital, which I didn't connect until I started here at OU, which would have been um, almost 17 years after I started at Clifton Springs Hospital is actually an Ohio University alum who met his wife on campus and was married on campus. And he's actually been a mentor and really a father figure for me my entire career. And, and to find out that, um, you know, someone that was that important to me early on in my career is actually an Ohio University alum. It's been an amazing kind of connection um, what's, for me. What's his and, name? And John Galati. John Galati, and, and when did you make yeah. that? When did you make that connection during your? He, he no, he called me after I started. I got a I got a phone call, and some my assistant 
you know, buzzed in and said, I have a John Galati on the phone. And, and I had no idea. I mean, obviously I knew who he was. I had no idea why he was calling. And, and he, he had received an email, I think, or something. He had received some sort of notification that I was here and, and he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it either. And, and, uh, you know, we, we talked maybe every, every couple of years and, you know, he knew, um, you know, where I'd moved and different things, but he didn't know about, about this one. So, um, it was really incredible that that's a, that's a connection, um, for me back to Ohio University and then uh, another kind of I think great connection sorry to kind of go off on a tangent here is that um, I grew up my entire life since I was five years old and moved to uh, New York I've been a and you know this very well I've been an all Philadelphia sports fan um, since 1980 and um, my favorite player growing up my first baseball card ever um, was a Mike Schmidt rookie. My favorite player was Mike Schmidt, and and um, you know just someone else I've, I've followed my entire uh, my entire life. And he is an OU alum, obviously one of the most heralded uh, Ohio University athletes in history. So th- these kind of cool connections through my my childhood and my the beginning of my career that tie into Ohio University is is something that uh, you know it, it makes it um, you know makes this position all that more meaningful to me so um my uh mom was visiting recently and she showed me a picture of uh, a recent reorganate reorganization of my baseball cards and my brother's baseball cards and i'm sure we have a mike schmidt or two in there and so i may try to find that and see if we can see if we can get an autograph uh, going hey that would be that would be great my my goal here he's come back to campus i think uh, once or twice but my goal would be uh to get him get him back here and get him um get him engaged with Absolutely. with the university so he's obviously in our hall of fame and a lot of alums that i come in contact with um you know went to school with him and and played baseball with him and um but you know those those kind of connections that you don't know about that I didn't know about when I applied for the job, um, you know, for those to, to come to fruition. And then a third piece, which I think is, you know, kind of the trifecta is that back in, um, 2017, my wife and I and our um, twin daughters at the time who were five actually drove from Warsaw, Kentucky, where we lived when I worked at the University of Cincinnati, to Athens, Ohio, before this position was even posted. And um, there's a, a horse rescue farm here in Athens about a mile from campus and we actually drove up my wife had been in contact with this farm and and we drove up and rescued two foals they were week old horses that we rescued here from Athens and then brought back to uh, to our farm in Kentucky um you know now we live a mile from there and you know drive by that farm almost every day again before I had any connection with Ohio University before I knew this position was even open um that was something else that that was tied to to me personally and and um you know those are just kind of things that you don't expect in your career and and it makes you feel good about about the move and yeah. there's a reason that that this happened and and like I've told many people and I've told you I really enjoyed my time at Cincinnati I think we were doing some great things and uh we had a really good team there and a, and a committed uh donor base alumni base and and obviously um still in contact with a lot of folks there but you know things happen for a reason. And, and when you add up those things, plus kind of how it's gone here during my first couple of years, I'm really uh, grateful to be here at Athens and, and at the university. So um, oh, sorry, yeah. I went off on a little bit of a tangent there of my, oh, I mean, it's my, great. my I mean, career. Look, it, 
career it, it path. Sounds like uh, like it was meant to be a little bit, and and I think it is exciting, you know, to hear about uh, you know early in your career, um, you know, trying different things, testing different things, you know, grinding it out in the sports information world, getting comfortable with statistics making the move into the healthcare space, but then really finding this education uh, philanthropy category and, and being able to latch onto it and quickly advance into a leadership position. And I think one of the things I did want to just acknowledge and, and talk about today is, you know, you've got to be one of the younger uh, foundation CEOs uh, in the higher education sector. I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but I think that's probably <laughs> fair um, and, and, you know, part of what, what I'm excited to talk about is even what gave you the confidence to throw your hat in the ring uh, and just setting a little bit of context for being at Cincinnati, hearing about this opportunity at Ohio U uh, and deciding to throw your hat in, in, in the ring um, and whatever process, you know, whatever insights you can share maybe with other listeners who aspire to go down that path someday, um, even going through such a public process, which is unique to, um, you know, public institutions and sort of how um, on display your interview process was not only uh, with the uh, Ohio U community, but with your colleagues at Cincinnati. I mean, what was that like? Was it a difficult decision? When did you know you wanted to make that leap? Uh, and what lessons can we can we learn from that experience? Yeah, that's that's really a, a great question, and and um, that it was it was it was a big leap for me. And um, so going because back, I, I to, think I we would, were you know just to like if I recall, we were together at the AGB conference when you yeah. were either about to submit your application or you had literally just submitted your application, and you shared that in confidence. Um, yeah, I had it didn't seem I, I, like you were, you know, super optimistic at that moment. Like it was a little no. bit of a long shot, but you went for it. And and why did you do that? Yeah, I, re I remember I remember that conversation. We were that was uh yeah, that was I think it was right as I was about to be announced as a, as one of the four finalists. I, That's right. Um I think is when that was. So going back, you know, that was January of 18. So going back to maybe September of 17, I got an email from um, Grant Higginson at Parker Executive Search, who was doing the search. And he said, you know, this is an opportunity. Are you interested? And and at the time, I just assumed some additional responsibilities at Cincinnati. We just had a new foundation president, Peter Langren, who had, who had come in and, and um, had given me some um, some additional um, work and I uh, was really kind of happy in the direction that we were going with the bicentennial planning and everything that went with that. So I told Grant no. Um, and I said, you know, I'm happy here, family settled and, but thank you for thinking of me. Um, but as, as, as the months kind of followed, um, you know, and to be honest, you hit the nail on the head. Like I did not have the confidence that I could jump into a role like this one at at that point, and and sometimes I I still wonder <laughs> if I do, um, but I, it keeps me going, I guess. But you know, I had conversations um, um, as it got closer with my wife Stacy, and and um, you know, she's kind of been one that always believed and thought I could I could um, you know take on a role like this one, and but I still was was hesitant, and it wasn't until 
and I have the email still. I'll never get rid of it. The applications were due at five o'clock on January fifth, twenty eighteen, and I, I and Grant can can confirm this. I emailed him at four fifty seven on January fifth, and said, um, I know I told you I wasn't interested at the time, but but uh, things have changed, and and I'd love to throw my hat in the ring for this position. And you know, I think from from my standpoint, it was the only position I was looking at. Um, I, I did in my research in those couple months about the Athens community and, and about the university feel a connection or, or felt that it matched a lot of my personal priorities. And, you know, I loved the university uh, as part of a um, small or as part of a rural city. Um, I, I felt the relationship between Athens and Ohio University is something that um, – I could really succeed in Cincinnati's. It was it was different. Even USF down in Tampa, where I worked, it was different. Those are bigger cities. There's other institutions there. I felt the relationship between Ohio University and the city is something that uh, city of Athens is something that that I could be a part of and, and help grow that relationship. So, you know, I just I applied. I figured at, at the at the very worst, maybe I could get an interview out of it, and because uh, I hadn't interviewed obviously in a while. Um, even when I got the Cincinnati job, I was recruited there and didn't really go through a, a full interview process. And um, I thought there has to be people a lot more qualified than me and with a lot more experience. But what I can bring to the table is a true passion for wanting this job at this institution, which I think is something that um, as I've been in this role, hiring people, that's a big thing for me. Like, I want to know why you want this job. I want to know why you want to work at Ohio University, because especially in the advancement field, you know, people are looking for opportunities to, to grow and and um, and get new positions. But what's important to me is is why this job and why here. And I thought at the very least I could articulate that in my in my interview process, knowing that I didn't have the experience um, that some of the other people in the pool would have. And I think when you and I talked at AGB, um, I think that was in LA in the beginning of January or mid January, you know, the the finalists had been announced and they were three extremely strong candidates with a lot of experience, uh, including an internal candidate who had who had run a really successful campaign here and then two other individuals that had been at big places and done a lot of great work. So I was going into it thinking I don't I told that to I think I told you that I don't I don't have a shot because there's all people that are a lot more experienced than me but um you know you just kind of go through it and and you're you're honest and genuine and talk about why you want this role and um you know one of the things I've always said is I I'll never stop learning it doesn't matter what what role I'm in and I'll also never change um you know the way I I go about things this is about teamwork and collaboration and and um, it's not about me and it's not about my position. It's about how I'm advancing the university, how I'm making um, the lives of our students and our faculty and our alumni and our donors better. And um, kind of went in with that with that mindset. And, um, you know, fortunately, uh, it worked out. But, uh, yeah, so, it's, it's a it's a difficult leap. It was a difficult leap. No. And I think I mean, look, there are other people out there who are getting calls from the headhunters right yeah. now for the recruiting firms, or they're looking at the listings saying, I don't think I'm ready, or seems like a long shot, maybe I won't even apply. And I think, uh, what if you hadn't sent that email at 4.57 p.m. on January 5th of 2018? I mean, it's just amazing to think about the importance of just taking a shot and yeah. not being afraid. Uh, what's the worst that could have happened, like you said? So 
hopefully there are other people out there that are looking at stretch opportunities right now that maybe realize, wow, like this, this is doable. Um, I, I've got, I've got nothing to lose by trying. I do. Yeah. So we had connected uh, at that conference and then, uh, you know, I was keeping tabs on the process, but it was just fascinating reading, you know, campus newspaper articles about the finalists and about your backgrounds and about yeah. the interviews went. And I just, I didn't recall such a public, um, such a public process. I mean, that had to be a little bit um, awkward or maybe exciting. Yeah. What was that, that like? Was that was tough. So that was probably the hardest part. And, um, you know, especially, you know, it's one thing. And I told Peter Langren at the time, um, you know, he, he knew, but the public part of that was really hard. And I would, I remember the, there was an open forum as part of our interview process where it was streamed live on YouTube. And, and I, I laughed because I think there were, there were like 80 people watching it live. And I think, 78 of them were actually my colleagues at at the University of Cincinnati and that that's hard you know when you're out there and people know and 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 things are you know you, your resume is posted and and um you know people are kind of um you know really uh, just know everything that's going on that that's a big risk moving you know as that move forward um because there wasn't anybody that did not know that i was interested and and um in the position so um it is um it worked out fine um fortunately i i you know i do think about other individuals that are in similar searches that maybe don't get the position but they've been they've been put out there and and on on public display and and um you know that was uh, i feel fortunate i got the position i you know i i think it would have been fine if i didn't but still that was uh that was a new experience for me and you know it, it's you know i look at you brent and, and you're you're the face of everything ever true and and you're out there and and you you know you do things like this podcast and you you're front and center for the race conference and and uh you know really do a great job of kind of promoting it and you're not afraid of of the camera and and it's it's something new for me and um i'm still kind of getting used to being the face of the foundation and being a face of the university when i'm out in public here in Athens or anywhere all over the country. So that was a nice kind of right off the diving board into the deep end, like this is how it's going to be. Um, because I really was more of a behind the scenes yeah. guy in all of my other roles. So it did help me from that standpoint, but you know, those public searches, they're, they're hard and, and um, you know, and an interesting thing to think about, does that hurt some candidate pools, you know, does that, does that make not just an advancement, but in, in anything, I, I co-chaired our athletic director search, which, you know, we knew was going to be public and the candidates knew was going to be public. And, and does that, you know, um, does that change how some people look at, at positions? And um, it's just a, it's kind of a, a fascinating thing to, to think about. Definitely raises the height of the diving board you are leaping off of when you know yeah. you have a uh, no doubt hundreds of people watching you take that leap. Um, so yeah. the good thing is it did work out, and I remember when you called or when we talked after you had had accepted the position, and you shared something that has stuck with me. You said something along the lines of the board or the board chair said, "Nico, you need to get us out of the '80s." Yeah, that was recall that, but you shared that with me. It struck me. What did they mean by that? Because I suspect that their perception of your ability to do that uh, 
is why you got the job or a big contributing factor? Yeah, I think that, you know, there were some things that, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I do want to say there were obviously there's been a lot of success here. They they just come off in 2015, a, a half uh, billion dollar campaign. Um, they raised just over 500 million for what was the Promise Lives campaign, I think an eight year campaign, a lot of success, uh, two nine figure gifts. Um, and, um, you know, really, really had, had uh, made a big impact on the university. I think from where we were coming from as a as an advancement organization, you know, to give an example, we, we haven't always made giving easy here. We had a very kind of clunky website. Uh, online giving was, was um, you know, cumbersome. You had to, you had to literally type in the fund that you wanted to support. And if it didn't match up with what the fund was on record, there tended to be a delay. We weren't great about, um, some of our, our, um, our stewardship and our, um, you know, immediate response to, to donors that had given, we had no, um, crowdfunding platform. We had a very, um, disconnected phone program that wasn't tied into our our database um, we weren't it, it was very reactive our our work and and we weren't we weren't looking at um, trends in the industry we weren't looking at you know our our pipeline uh, we were very focused on the biggest donors and that's important but we weren't um, looking to build our pipeline for the future and um, you know so those are just kind of some of the things that that we needed to attack immediately, um, we didn't have a development committee on our board, and um, you know we it was kind of the board was was very much driven by our investment committee, and we have a you know uh, seven hundred eleven million dollar endowment, and our investment committee manages, and obviously is an extremely important part of everything we do. But we didn't have things like a gift acceptance policy, and we didn't have a, a process for looking at uh, uh, real estate. Um, transactions as a board, and we didn't have a, a process looking at closely held stock and some other some other pieces that are that are more and more you're seeing uh, in the advancement world, and and we just didn't have any processes and and uh, and procedures in place um, for that. So um, a lot of what we were doing was was kind of just um, there there maybe didn't have as much of a strategy behind it as as we should have, and um, you know even thinking about the recruitment of our board members. I think since since I've been here, we've brought on some really wonderful board members, and we've we've I brought a uh, a matrix that that I developed with um, uh, my former boss at Cincinnati, Rod Grabowski. We developed a matrix at Cincinnati together that that kind of looked at um, what are our needs with board members. You know, whether they fall into uh, uh, regions of the country, what's their what's their industry, what's their major, what was their major on campus. Uh, what's their giving capacity, affinity, all these different pieces, and and to give us a starting point as we're recruiting new board members. So that's just kind of an example of some things that that we didn't have in place that I think a lot of organizations um, did, and we needed to um, kind of ramp up quickly. And I think with the support of the university leadership, with the support of the board, uh, Dr. Dwayne Nellis, who's the president here, has been very supportive of everything we're doing in advancement. Um, we we uh, we obviously early on brought Evertrue, brought you guys on board to to kind of help focus our you know what our our development officers were were working on and and um, and you know able to move a lot of those things forward in a short amount of time. That's yeah, a lot so of work to do. About that. I mean, but, yeah, you're eighteen. You know, you're roughly eighteen months in uh, in that ballpark and. Uh, 
it sounds like, and you alluded to it earlier, it's, it's, it's gone well, or you feel like it's going well, you're, you know, 18 months, uh, you can only do so much and you've got to really pick uh, the priorities. Uh, and so as you kind of think about where you are, and I do want to be sensitive of your time today, because I know that we, we need to wrap up relatively soon. But when you look ahead to what the next 18, 24, couple years looks like, um, it sounds like you've done a lot of blocking and tackling, getting the pieces in place over the last 18 months. What are you most excited about? What are the challenges that you need to address um, as you think about the coming years? Yeah, we've done, you know, there's a lot with our organizational structure and um, really excited about the leadership team I have in place. It's a, it's a great mix of three new people that I've brought on as well as three people that have been here, um, all of them for uh, 10 years or, or longer. So having that combination of, of new energy, new new blood, new ideas with, with people that have been here and have the historical knowledge and the relationships within the university has been really um, a benefit. We have um, focused a lot on improving our relationship with the rest of campus. So when I got here, um, you know, one of my first priorities was to make sure that, that we weren't doing things like goal setting with deans. So the, a lot of the goals, there hadn't been goal setting done since the campaign ended. So one of the first things when I brought, um, hired my senior AVP of development major Alston, who I brought um, from Cincinnati, um, was to do goal setting with the deans and to involve them in those conversations with the development officers and, and really kind of create that, that bridge between us and the units and to, and to make sure we were going in the same direction. I said from day one, we don't set priorities within university advancement. We support the priorities within the colleges and units that are that are um, approved by the provost and the president. So, you know, coming in and, and kind of having that um, as, as the foundation of, of uh, our relationship building internally, I think was extremely important. And then, you know, things like how do we better involve our board? We have three boards. We have the university trustees, the foundation board, and the alumni board. And what we've been able to do in these 18 months is we've had joint meetings where they've actually, we've had the, the two meetings going on concurrently and it's given them an opportunity to meet each other, spend time with each other and really show that we're a unified front. We're not operating in, in these individual silos. So I think that's gone a long way um, to, to um, you know, really gaining some momentum. And then the president just unveiled his strategic priorities of the university and, and everything we do within advancement, like I said, supports those. So any sort of um, focus areas that he has, we will support, and that'll be you know how we move forward in our fundraising priorities. And, and um, one of the things that I actually learned from, um, it was uh, AGB with you, and it was, um, I believe, John at, at Kansas State talked about um, fundraising sprints rather than than long comp drawn out comprehensive campaigns and I think that's something I'm really excited about here in the future is looking at you know what makes sense for this university and I don't think that's a 10-year 600 million dollar campaign I think that's smaller three to four year a couple hundred million dollar um, sprints that that focus on specific areas that fall in line with the university strategic plan and I'm excited about being able to to do those because I think you can get a lot of excitement and energy behind those and then you can celebrate them quickly. You can celebrate them after three or four years and then go on to the next. And and so much in higher ed changes, you know this, year to year things change. It feels like day to day. So how can we say, you know, in 10 years, the priorities that we're laying out are necessarily um, 
are going to be the same in 2029 as they are today. So I'm excited about about that potential. And um, you know, I've said this to you. I, I'm not afraid to to try things, um, try new things, or do things differently. And and I know I'm going to run into a situation where people say, "Wait, you raised 500 million before." you got there and now you're telling me it's only going to be a 250 million dollar campaign or 300 million or or whatever it turns out to be but but that's okay because i think i can talk about why it works for our university at this point in time so a lot of exciting things here um this is a uh, uh ninth oldest public institution in the country older 215 years old 1804 older than uva older than cincinnati um older than ohio state and um, but also been a kind of a well-kept secret, and I, I think I attribute that to something I referred to since day one as a humble pride among the alums and and uh, and people here at Ohio University, and um, so we I think we have an opportunity to to tell our story and show our impact on on the state and on the world, and um, I'm excited to to uh, hopefully be part of that and help drive that forward. Well, I think you bring a uh, unique blend of pride and humility uh, to your work, so it seems like a perfect fit for oh, I appreciate, Thank you. I appreciate and that. And I will say, uh, if you haven't been to Athens, it is a, a, spe- a really just terrific college town uh, and a special place for sure. I guess in conclusion here today, Nico, recognizing you need to leave, um, are there open positions? You know, are you recruiting? Um, if not today, what do you anticipate um, as being uh, opportunities at uh, within your organization in the coming years? Yeah, we are, and that's you know, that's really exciting. Is that we've had a, um, um, I think since since I've got here, I think we've um, you know this, including internal promotions, which has been very important to me. Uh, I'm proud that in my first 18 months. We had 19 internal promotions in the five previous fiscal years combined. We had 17. So really excited about people having opportunities um, here to grow. And, and um, you know, turnover, obviously, everyone knows, is a is a big issue within the advancement world. And if we can create opportunities for people to stay um, here at the university, we, we want to do that. So we have, we have several openings right now. Um, I think we have six or seven, um, a couple within our alumni association. Um, we have a, a director of development within student affairs, director of development uh, within our College of Health Science and Professions. We have an office up in Dublin, which is a suburb of Columbus, where we have our national team, and we have an associate director position of major giving that just got posted up there. And, and the strategy behind that is not only do we have our medical campus in Dublin, but um, you know Athens is an incredible place, as you mentioned, a beautiful campus, but it's also you know an hour and 15 minutes from from the airport in Columbus. So having an office based in Columbus allows us to have people that are able to easily go to the airport and get all over the country to visit our alums and friends. So um, that's a position that was just posted. We partnered with Case. We did the Case intern and the Case resident last year. We'll be doing those again this year. And, um, you know, so always looking for, for you know, people that want to be part of, of something special here. I think one of the things I've found and I've heard from staff members is they feel they can really make a, an impact here. Um, you know, we really we look for um, people that, that have the energy and the passion to be in this field and are able to, um, you know, see the value that, that this university um, brings to our students and our faculty and our community. So, um, you know, excited that the, the university continues to support us with, 
with uh, positions that uh, that we can that we can post. And so yeah, it's Ohio.edu/jobs, um, and people can take a look. And uh, we'd love to talk to them. Well, Nico, thank you so much for sharing a window into your career path, and I uh, wish you nothing but continued success. Excited to get together at KSD Five here in a month in Chicago. Uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, and in the meantime, best wishes for continued momentum, uh, and to all of you out there listening who are thinking about hitting apply on that job that seems like a stretch. I hope you do it right now. Thanks, Nico. We'll be in touch. Thanks, Brent. 